ghastly. This holiday season, unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Hello and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation. So, what comes next following last night's News Nation presidential debate? Many of the Republican candidates are in the key early voting states right now. In moments, we will speak with Chris Christie and ask why he felt the need to come to Nikki Haley's defense last night up on the debate stage. Plus, Donald Trump, the former president, not on the campaign trail today, rather inside a courtroom. The current president, Joe Biden, now staring down an official impeachment inquiry. We'll tell you the new timeline. And don't pull the fire alarm unless you really need to. Seems pretty simple, right? Well, the congressman who caused panic in the Capitol today faced his punishment. Thank you for being with us here on the Hill. Once again, I'm Blake Berman, hanging out in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Joined by Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, News Nation political contributor and host of the Sean Spicer Show podcast. Uh, Julia Manchester, national political reporter for The Hill. Mike Vicara is News Nation's Washington bureau chief. And back in Washington, Mick Mulvaney, former White House chief of staff to Donald Trump, News Nation political and economic contributor as well. And Johanna Mosca, former Obama administration official and News Nation contributor. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. All right, hello once again, where we are live from the campus of the University of Alabama here in Tuscaloosa, following last night's News Nation GOP presidential debate. We called it the tussle in Tuscaloosa leading into it. Lived up to that name, uh, I think, last night. But here's what's happening right now. The frontrunner, Donald Trump, spent his day in a courtroom. We'll get to that later in the show. Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy there in Iowa. Nikki Haley still here in the state of Alabama. It is a Super Tuesday state after all. And Chris Christie is in the Granite State, New Hampshire right now. Uh, Hello to you all. Nice to have you on in. We will... uh, Get into last night, what we saw, what we heard, what we think, what comes next, etc. But want to get, uh, get out to the campaign trail because the uh, former governor from the state of New Jersey, Chris Christie, joins us live here on the Hill. Governor, thank you for being uh, with us here on the Hill. I believe your first time on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Yep, of course, of course. So um, let's start here because Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, they, they made it pretty clear uh, Governor, early and often last night that Nikki Haley was was their target. Um, I want to start with this because at, at one point you clearly had had enough of it. You've known Nikki Haley for quite some time. And I'll, I'll get your reaction on the other side. Watch. I've known her for 12 years, which is longer than he's even started to vote in a Republican primary. <laughs> While we disagree about some issues and we disagree about who should be president of the United States, what we don't disagree on is this is a smart, accomplished woman. You should stop insulting. I wonder, Governor, why you felt the need uh, in that moment to, to come to Nikki Haley's defense. Because he's one of the most offensive people I've ever met in politics. Um, and the fact is, when that, a guy like that is so arrogant and so smug and so obnoxious that he's going to compare the intellect of his three-year-old son 
to someone as accomplished as a two-term governor and a U.N. ambassador, um, then I'm going to call him out on it because it shows something about his temperament. It shows something about his lack of judgment. It shows something about his hubris. And I needed to make sure that I pointed that out. Now, it defended Nikki, too. And like I've said, Nikki's been a friend of mine, as I said last night, for over a dozen years. Um, But let, let me be really clear. Um, I don't think she should be president of the United States, and I intend to beat her both here in New Hampshire and in other places around the country. But it doesn't mean that we should be taking personal shots at her intellect. I think Vivek is not only somebody who is obnoxious and difficult to listen to, but I think he also has a real problem with women, and he insults women on a regular basis. Uh, And I, I don't appreciate that, being the husband of a really strong and accomplished woman. Um, and the son of a mother who taught me that you treat people with respect. Here, here's also what he said last night. I, I'm guessing it's something uh, close to you as a former uh, prosecutor in the 9-11 era. Uh, here, was, here was Ramaswamy last night. I'll get your reaction again. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11? Do you, do you feel, Governor, that, that he represents part of the Republican, uh, of, of the Republican you know, uh, primary of, of Republican voters, or do you, do you find him to be a conspiracy theorist? Um, I can't speak to that. I can just say he's a fool. And only a fool would say something okay. like that. So I'm not going to spend any more time on him. I think I took care of him Got last it. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> point, point heard. Um, coming to Nikki Haley's defense, though, you, you've seen some of the some of the uh, the speculation. New York Times quote: Some Republicans have had a blunt message for Chris Christie, drop out. The main thing is that Christie could do to make a difference this time is to drop out. Do, do you worry, Governor, that by coming to her defense last night, you might sort of fuel this speculation that the best thing for Republicans who want to take on Trump is to consolidate? No, and that New York Times story. Um, was, you know, there was nobody of any significance quoted in that story. I think the best person they had quoted in that story is like some hack operative named Kevin Madden, who his last job that he had in politics was to work for the failed Mitt Romney campaign. The guy's been looking for a job for 11 years since then, hasn't been able to find one. Um, and now he wants to try to, you know, rejigger his career on my back. I mean, so, you know, come on, like, that's that's what happens when, you know, reporters at The New York Times have a theory uh, before they actually have any facts. And then they try to go out and try to find people to support the theory. And the best they could do is an idiot like Kevin Madden. Yeah. Um, you said, Governor, three months ago, it was almost three months to the day. It was in early September uh, that you were going to follow Donald Trump all around the country if he doesn't debate. There's been four debates, Governor Christie. Uh, he, he hasn't come to one of them. Are you going to follow Donald Trump around from here on out? And if so, what does that look like? How long would you do it? No, look, I've tried to. I tried to confront him on the day that he registered as a candidate in New Hampshire at the State House. And what his cowardly campaign does is they get the Secret Service to close down the entire building. And the only people, including the governor of New Hampshire, the governor of New Hampshire couldn't have his meetings in the State House at his office that day because the only people allowed in the building were people that were cleared by the Trump for president campaign. He's so afraid of me. He's so afraid to be on the same stage with me 
that he even closes down these events to make sure that only people who are so invited by him, him who will kiss his rear end. Well, I'm going to keep working on it. You know, unlike unlike all the rest of us who don't have Secret Service protection, he does, and it makes it a lot more difficult. But we'll get it. It'll happen because I'm going to be the last one standing here. And when I am, he's not going to be able to avoid me anymore. Um, and, you know, look, um, I, I, I know that, you know, Mick Mulvaney's a guy who's on your network as a commentator all the time. Um, Mick knows. Um, Trump knows exactly what he'd get if he were on the same stage with me. And that's why he's turning tail and running the other direction. Well, we'll leave it there. And you just teed me up for Mick Mulvaney, Governor. We'll, we'll bring him on in here. Uh, Governor Chris Christie, hope you, uh, Happy hope you to come help. on back uh, here on the Hill. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the time. We'll have you on back soon. You bet. Thanks a lot for having me. You got it. Mick, your name checks. Come on in. Hey, uh, what say you? Uh, it's good to see you. Thanks for letting us in. By the way, you've made a huge mistake in turning over the place to me and Johanna. You're not getting control of the, sta- of the station back when you come back. And by the way, tell, tell Angry Smurf there that his, his picture is with security downstairs and he can't get in the building. Oh. Um, look, Chris Christie's absolutely right. He did a great job last night. Uh, it's a shame that the, the party just doesn't seem to be where he needs it to be to do better in these debates. It was a classic uh, debate last night. He had three or four really good lines. The line about knowing Nikki Haley longer than Vivek Ramaswamy has been voting in a Republican primary is that's that's class A material. Later on in the debate, he said, "Look, you folks are pretending like you're winning and you're not. Donald Trump is winning. You're actually afraid to talk about him." It's that kind of straight shooting. Um, I think even CNN today came out with a rating that gave him an A plus and said it was one of the best debates they ever see. It was a really really good performance. Unfortunately for the governor, yeah. it's just it's, it's falling on unfertile soil right now because so many people are, are so heavily uh, married to President Trump. Um, all right. So let's talk about this debate last night. Johanna, come on in. Yeah. Rest of the panel. Um, I'll tell you what I found interesting was th- there was a, a really big, great wind up question from the moderators right at the beginning about electability for Ron DeSantis and the very first thing he did was then point his ire directly at Nikki Haley. It had nothing really to do with electability, but he went straight at Nikki Haley. Here it was, and then we'll we'll discuss it on the other side. I'm the only one running for president that has beaten these people on issue after issue. And you have other candidates up here like Nikki Haley. She caves anytime the left comes after her, anytime the media comes after her. Was that smart? It seems like we talked about going into this, Sean, that that somebody of those four has to emerge to eventually take on Donald Trump. And it seemed like that was the game plan, at least for DeSantis and and Ramaswamy. Yeah, I think the question was kind of silly to start with. There's an eligibility and a qualification level that all of them met to get into the debate, right? They each have laid out the strategy. There's four down. It's one of the smallest fields at this point. But Ron DeSantis, I think, did a good job of taking that question and turning it into something that potentially could have gotten him something. I don't think it did, as I said last night. I don't. I think each of them did what they needed to do. But I don't think any of them moved the needle when it comes to either Iowa or New Hampshire. But did he... By and large, you look at comments from someone like David Axelrod on the left and a lot of people on the right. A lot of people said DeSantis actually did the best performance that he's ever done. Doesn't mean that he moved the needle, but it actually, for him, he did what he has to to sort of stay and yeah. fight another day. 
And I think well, he's very time. much in past debates has faded into the background oftentimes. And that's what he needed to do. He needed to have a breakout moment. And he came out of the gate swinging. He was energetic. Uh, energetic, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, I think you're absolutely right, Sean. I don't know how much this debate or any of these debates moves the needle when it comes to Iowa or New Hampshire. But he needed to reassure donors or maybe get some donors yeah. onto his side. As, as far as Ambassador Haley's concerned, I think two, two things. Well, a couple of things. Governor Christie coming to her defense may not accrue to her benefit. I mean, you know, why does somebody have to defend her in in the face of these attacks from these two men uh, to her left? Also, when you're explaining, you're losing. That's the old adage in politics. And Ambassador Haley spent a lot of time explaining last night. I didn't say that. I said this. Here's what I really said. That's not true. They attacked her on Ukraine. They attracted her on Boeing. They attracted her on her corporate backing. They attracted her on her trans bathrooms and schools. They attacked her on her intellectual, uh, what somebody called intellectual fraud, immigration, uh, licking Trump's boots. So she was on her heels on defense all night long, and I don't think that makes Johanna? her reach. No. Although, Vic, yeah, I was going to say, it, it was a lot of back and forth, and it is really easy to be on stage and just attack, attack, attack your opponent and not talk about the real kitchen table issues that are affecting ordinary Americans. And that was my frustration, right, was they were given questions that they could have answered with substance. How are you going to get the price of health care, which is too high still with Obamacare, to an average American? How are you going to make health care affordable so that we are not all less healthy? And those things weren't actually discussed. I will say, Vic, I disagree on the, you know, DeSantis or the, the um, uh, Christie defending Haley. I actually think it was a kind gesture that we need to see more yeah. of in politics. Be kind to your opponent and draw the distinction on policy. It was done in such a way that, right, that yep. Christie was Christie was classy in doing it. He was chivalrous in doing it. She was classy yeah. in accepting it. It was it was it was really a highlight for me of the debate. It was the way debates are supposed to be. These folks being gentlemen and ladies per- conducting themselves like president of the United States. I, I thought it was a highlight of the debate. It, I didn't think it was a negative for Nikki at all. Interesting to hear you. Yeah, interesting to hear you say, Mick, that that for you that was uh, the highlight of the debate because for for me, at least politically, and what all of this means. Are y'all ready to talk about Donald Trump? <laughs> because I'm not sure they were last night up on the stage. Uh, here was a pretty straightforward question that was put to Ron DeSantis about Donald Trump. Is he mentally fit? And this was part of the exchange. Father time is undefeated. I don't know how he would score on a, on a test, but I know this. We have an opportunity to nominate someone and elect someone for two terms who's going to be spitting nails on day one and for eight years so deliver you, you big results. We should think. not nominate somebody he won't who's, answer. Who's, who's almost 80 years old. Okay. He's afraid to answer. No, I'm not. So Ron DeSantis would not answer that question there. He has said that President Biden is in cognitive decline. That is a very clear opinion, right? Joe Biden's in cognitive decline. Is he or is he not? Whatever, you can have that conversation another day. But that's what Ron DeSantis has said. When he was asked basically the same thing about Donald Trump, he wouldn't answer it. Why isn't he going after Trump like that? I think he risks attacking the base, right? Yeah. Uh, that's number one. Number two is, the, the problem was is that he's running ads where he is attacking Trump's mental fitness and then will, not willing to back it up. That's what made it bad. He could have handled that a lot better. How would you have handled it? You're the, the mess Well, frankly, I would have just said, look, he, he, he kind of got it halfway. He should have said, look, we all, as we get older, have less 
you know, spit on the fastball, whatever the phrase is. But the bottom line is we need someone young. He just he wouldn't go the full the full distance. I don't know what it was. If you're going to run the ad, be ready for the attack. And that's where I thought that was missing. It's one thing if you just didn't get it. But she was asking him because that's an a current attack yeah. that his campaign is leveling. Nick? But... Well, it's one of my favorite questions in the whole debate because it, it, it essentially goes to the heart of the matter, which is all of you folks are in second or third or fourth place. Are you going to talk about the guy in first? Only Chris Christie could do it. The other three have been, of course, put Vivek aside because he wants to be in the cabinet. And all he's going to do is, is suck up to Trump the entire time. But uh, Nikki and Ron have struggled from the get-go and are still struggling. Exactly what Sean just said. They don't know how to attack the president, the former president, without alienating his base. And they're falling over themselves to sort of push up to that line and they can't go over it. And until they do, they're never going to make up any ground. They're taking votes from each other. They've been doing that for weeks. No one's taking votes from Trump. In fact, their votes are going to Trump as he continues to move up in the polls, not down. So I do think they drew distinctions last night, Blake, and I have not always heard distinctions. I heard Nikki Haley take him on on China, and I'll tell you, I mean, Mike Gallagher, who's the chair of the China committee, the committee that's actually looking into all of this, has said Trump got nothing on trade. So they were talking about that. DeSantis was saying he did not build a wall that Mexico paid for. That is accurate. He said he was going to actually get it done. I guess that's his distinction. And Nikki had a very different tact in the sense of, you know, she's saying we actually need to be aggressive with smart policy. So they did draw distinctions. And I think we need to give them credit there. All right. I'll get real quick. Uh, if not now, when, I guess. Okay, yeah, well, look, three tickets out of Iowa, right? That's the conventional wisdom. President, Former President Trump, he's got a ticket. He's up in first class, right? So there are two other tickets. They'll live to fight another day. They survive. One of them, two of the others survive Iowa. They get to New Hampshire. Or Chris Christie. Then, then maybe the attacks kick up. Okay, all right. Well, coming up, one person not on the stage, of course, the former president, Donald Trump. He did appear, though, somewhere else today a New York City courtroom for his civil fraud trial. So where does the former president go from here? As we saw last night, it is perhaps, by the way, the key issue among Republicans, the southern border. Now Republican senators in Washington are standing firm. The negotiations over funding and the plea for the president to get involved as well. That is coming up here on The Hill, live from the University of Alabama, site of last night's News Nation. GOP presidential debate. The Hill in the shadows of Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh Coming right back. News Nation tonight. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is taking your phone calls live on Cuomo. Let's get after it. It's your chance to ask the independent presidential candidate why he thinks he's best for the job. Plus how his campaign could shake up the 2024 election. My plan is to win, and I don't have a plan B. Don't miss Cuomo tonight, 8, 7 central only on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole, wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots, toys, toys, toys for tots. Some have too many, some haven't any. If those who have, give those who haven't, 
Oh, what a Christmas day. The Marine Reserve will help you, will help you fill your sleigh with lots and lots of toys for tots. So give a little toy today. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh, making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I'll be by your side. You're listening to News Nation, delivering fact-based, unbiased news from all sides. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please, don't be a multitasker. Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. This is McGruff the Crime Dog, and I need you to help me take a bite out of crime. Counterfeit products are popping up everywhere. If you think buying them is harmless, think again. Counterfeits are usually made with hazardous and even lethal ingredients that could harm you and others. And the money you paid, it goes right into the hands of criminals. Remember, if you don't know where the products came from, how could you know where the money goes? You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at McGruffPSA.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. Football is the game of life. And it brings the community together. White black boys girls flag tackle football can revive communities that's why i think you know football is on the right path community with football is very accepting and loving to people who enjoy the sport win or lose they do it as a family futureforfootball.com All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. That's us uh, in that white tent, live in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, once again, as we uh, are here the day after the big debate last night here on News Nation. It was awesome, it was fun, it was consequential, and today we get to continue to talk about it. But first, the guy who wasn't here, Donald Trump, back in court today in New York for his $250 million civil fraud trial. The former president asked about his thoughts on last night's Republican debate. And so, as you can see, he just passed through, walked by, uh, didn't make any comment. So the the former president is going to be on the stand next week to wrap up the civil fraud trial. We're now heading into Iowa and New Hampshire. This case should be over by then. What what does this mean for the president, Sean, going into next year? 
If we had this conversation about any other candidate in any other cycle, I'd say that they were in big trouble. I think this, this potentially, depending on the ruling and how absurd it is, the crazier the ruling, the harder it is against right. Trump, the better he politically does. Hmm. I mean, if they mm-hmm. rule $250 million against him for inflating the cost of Mar-a-Lago, of which there is no defined victim of this, I think he is going to benefit politically. He will talk about the witch hunt, the two-tier justice system, and, and it's a bonus for him. The best thing that could happen to the rest of the field is then to come out with like a one dollar fine and say, you know. Trump barely fine. Yeah. And everybody's like, right. oh, no. Mick, you were shaking your head, nodding along with Sean there. Yeah, which is rare, because usually he's wrong. But on this one, he's right. Look, face it, this has been a gift to Trump from the very beginning. All of these, from, from the very first uh, lawsuit regarding Stormy Daniels, this has been a political gift to Donald Trump. Why? Because we're talking about him now. Here we are, the very second story we're doing after last night's debate is Donald Trump. If he's not in court last night and he's not on the stage, we're talking about how he's not there and then we're moving on to other topics. This has been his way to suck all of the energy out of the room. It's been a way to redefine himself as a victim. And Sean's right. If they could, He wants a billion dollar charge against him tomorrow because that will play to his narrative and he'll probably go up in the polls if that happens. This, this guy, though, come on. I, I mean, watching Trump win this way, I don't understand it, Sean. And I wish you were here in person so I could needle you in person soon. But you Especially know, for he, that outfit. He, he Yo, has, you both are has, ganging up on Spicer today. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> come to his defense here. I know, poor Spicy. Well, if- no, but... But look, we we have. I'm still he here. Spent in this his administration, <laughs> oh, he spent in his administration more money on PPP fraud than the Biden administration has spent in money supporting Ukraine. He's getting away with you know saying that Biden caused the inflation when on that stage last night, Nikki Haley rightfully called him out for spending way too much money in a Republican administration. I will also give Democrats blame here. They were at that same table saying let's spend, spend, spend. But as the conservative party, I'm not seeing enough heat on Donald Trump, and there should be. All right. Well, the big issues of the day uh, discussed at last night's debate, the economy, Israel, the border, just to mention a few. But did you notice that the Republican candidates decided, essentially here, not to really go after President Biden that hard? Uh, That isn't the case, though, for House Republicans. Moving ahead on an impeachment inquiry into the president. Now, today they released the contents of the resolution. The plan, what really matters here, is to vote on it next week. The Democratic Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, called it a waste of time. And they want to hide that extreme right-wing agenda from the American people. And next week we're going to waste time on an illegitimate impeachment inquiry targeting President Biden and his family. Republicans basically say, Julia, we need to do this because, and Vic, we need to have the legal authority to be able to subpoena and get documents. But I found it fascinating. These candidates over two hours could have talked about Biden impeachment last night. They didn't go there. They, they weren't focused on that. House Republicans are. They didn't go there. And I think it's probably House Republicans are. And I think you could make the argument that it could play well with these House Republicans in their home districts, many of uh, which are very, very red. They're playing but a different game. They're than the playing Republican a very different right. game. So they're playing it more at the local level. But you have or state level. But at the presidential level, you have these um, candidates who are looking to appeal to voters in Iowa, New Hampshire, yeah. nationwide. They want to talk about issues and this, I think, could be seen as a bit of a distraction. Yeah, but the one thing that puzzles me about that whole dynamic yeah. is that they have to have a majority of the House to, right. to, to go forward with this inquiry. 
And they are going to get those moderates. They're going to get those New York moderates that uh, are very much on the fence and very vulnerable politically come next year in the midterm elections. There's only one Republican that we know of, Ken Buck of Colorado, who's leaving Congress, who's going to be voting against it. So what is the dynamic there? That's the curious part of it. The only thing I can figure is putting it on the floor and losing or not being able to pull the trigger on this will make everybody look bad. Uh, You know, rising tide floats all boats, and the opposite is true. Johanna? Look, we have seen this impeachment stuff play out, and it didn't work to the Democrats' benefit. Donald Trump is still very much alive politically. It's unlikely to work for the Republicans. And I think that it is important for us to actually be talking about those issues that affect Americans. And we're not doing it when we're talking about Hunter Biden and, you know, laptops and quid pro quos and all of this. It was the same the last time. Yeah, Blake, don't lose sight of the fact that is this, is this next a, week is the, is the last week of work for them as well. So this is sort of their parting shot before hmm. they go home for the oh, Christmas yeah. break. And so that's, that's part of the strategy here. As to the New York folks, I think Vic makes a good point. But keep in mind, a lot of these New York Republicans just voted to kick George Santos out. We're going to talk in a little bit second about the vote to, uh, to censure one of their other uh, Republicans, uh, the Democrats, this week. They are building a little bit of credibility of sort of holding everybody to a high standard. So I think that will give them some cover when they go home over the holidays. Is this is this the right use of time? Is and is this? I, I guess you, there's a lot of ways to look at it, right? Right use of time politically. Is it the right thing to do? How do you view? I think it? That you got to give the base something that they need right now, and that that's what they're doing. Is they're making mm. sure that these people uh, who voted a man who gave them the majority uh, know that they haven't lost sight. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. turning Just now like the to Democrats uh, did with another Just topic like the that was with Donald Trump. N- okay, there you go. Uh, yeah. Another topic uh, from last night's debate. Cryptocurrency, yes, that made it in there, by the way. Uh, Did you see this also? The world's biggest banker, Jamie Dimon, he testified before Congress this week that if he were in the government, he would shut crypto down, or essentially said that the government should shut crypto down. Vivek Ramaswamy asked about it uh, and his recent praise of crypto last night. Here was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy when asked about cryptocurrency. Look, fraudsters, criminals, and terrorists have been defrauding people for a long time. Our regulations need to catch up with the current moment. The fact that SBF was able to do what he did at FTX shows that whatever they have as the current framework isn't working. Mick, uh, come on back because you were the founding member of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus. I wonder, I wonder what's the lens that, that you view this through? Because look, Jamie Dimon, right? Um, yeah. You pound your book. Right. If you're Jamie Dimon, you, you pound the book. Crypto's not good for, for the banks. And so you got that in front of Congress. There is the question about money laundering and what to do about it and making sure that bad people don't get their hands on crypto. But you could yeah. say that about any currency, right? And, and look, you, 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 there's a couple of different ways to look at this. Number one, Jamie Dimon is not going to be in government anytime soon, so it doesn't really make any difference. I think Vivek, who gave one of his rare good answers last night, was on crypto, to exactly to your point, how he explained that. Cash is actually easier to manipulate than crypto, and law enforcement actually likes crypto better than cash in many circumstances, because while it's pseudonymous, it's still a publicly available trail that they can follow. But Vivek dropped the ball right here last night. You were to think after all of the attacks he leveled against Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, who just met with Jamie Dimon, he should have then turned to Nikki Haley. This would have been a legitimate question. Say, now, Nikki, you're being supported by Jamie Dimon. He's come out against crypto. Where are you on this? Mm. And he didn't do that. So it was a lost chance to have a discussion on an important issue. Who do you, One point to Mick, though. Who do you trust? A- One point to no, Mick, on, Blake, is... 
You know, we can say that Jamie Dimon isn't going in for a government position, but I'm not so sure. Anytime a you know, billionaire yeah. says yeah. that yeah. they are, you know, interested in, in government, I'm always wondering if they're circling no labels. <laughs> Mike Bloomberg. But, <laughs> but look, I think that, you know, we, we had a great question. <laughs> we had a great question because Hamas did get funding through cryptocurrency. And while their advocates have been talking about blockchains technology, th thus providing more transparency, it has not. So that has proven out that it's the not working fact in our favor. I would know Hamas was funded by crypto tells you how transparent yeah, not, it is. Not entirely. I would just leave you with this question and this thought. Um, whoever wins the White House, whichever party is controlling Washington, or if there's a split, who do you trust on this? And do you trust the government to sort of figure this out in regulation when you're talking about new technology? I don't know. I don't know where it goes, but I'm glad right. that they asked the question last night. All right. Well, here's something to check out, by the way. We just launched this yesterday. Decision Desk 24. Blake Berman's, that's me, uh, campaign view. If <laughs> you want a guy. slice of the show in your inbox, subscribe with the QR code on your screen. Apparently, the folks like this thing because we had thousands of signups yesterday in just one day. We'll be doing this weekly. Uh, check it out the hill into your inbox or at least a piece of it we had some of spicer in the in the newsletter what yeah you were there you were there don't ask for royalties coming up uh you learn this when you're like eight years old right don't pull the fire alarm if there's not a fire seems pretty simple but for one congressman they must have not gotten the message and today he was called out on the house floor but did the punishment fit the crime plus are lawmakers taking christmas decorations a bit too seriously the decorations in the halls of Congress that will either make you laugh or this even might make you wince. And those big border negotiations up on the Hill. Why Republicans are now saying no Ukraine aid unless we fix things here at home. That's next from the Hill, live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, as we wrap up our coverage of last night's GOP debate that you saw right here on News Nation. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation, live once again from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You see that white tent there, bottom of your screen? There it goes. Uh, that's us here broadcasting live from the quad after last night's GOP debate here on News Nation. You know, it seems like a pretty, pretty simple concept. Only pull the fire alarm when it's really, really, really needed. But in September, the Congressman Jamal Bowen yanked the fire alarm in a House office building, and then that, of course, sent panic in the Capitol. By the way, it happened during a House vote. Well, today, the Democratic congressman from New York was officially censured on the House floor, meaning, in part, as you see right here, uh, he was called in front of the Speaker of the House to have the censure resolution read to him. Uh, Julia? Uh Punishment fit the crime here? Uh, look, I think that these censures, and we've seen them with Rashida Tlaib, Adam Schiff, now J Jamal Bowman, they're a slap on the wrist. I think they're publicly something that happens to someone on the House floor. And in a way, I think you saw this with Tlaib. It's almost like they wear it as a badge of honor. Right. Like, oh, the, the party in power uh, censured me. He's, that he's sort got of bigger thing. political problems, though. I do think he does. He uh, is facing a primary challenge in his New York district uh, over the issue of Israel and its war of the Hamas 
Jamal Bowman is obviously very progressive, has been very sympathetic towards uh, the Palestinian cause, and that's caused issues in his district where you do have a large uh, population of Jewish voters. It's also caused other New York Republicans and Democrats to be very cognizant of the situation in the Middle East. Don't well, pull you the know, fire it's alarm, Vic. Mm. Yeah, it's fi- well, I was going to say, it's finals week here at Alabama and colleges yeah. across the country. That's when you pull a fire alarm. <laughs> just to be clear, you never pull okay, yeah. a yeah. on the law and but, order. I, but the point I would like to make is you mentioned Adam Schiff and Rashida yeah. Tlaib. They took that opportunity to give speeches that fired up the base, yeah. fired up their supporters. The- Adam Schiff raised money, uh, millions of dollars off the speech that he made when he was censored. Rashida Tlaib defended her stance in, uh, as a Palestinian. The, the, the difference in this century, and I think it's only the 26, 27 27 time, members 27, have been right. censured okay, this three time, this year. The member pled guilty right. to the offense. Yeah, right. Okay, and 191, I think, Democrats voted against it. He pled guilty. He admitted to the crime, and they still voted against censoring mm. him on the Democratic side. This shouldn't have been controversial. Take the slap on the wrist and walk away. And yet he was defiant and said the Republicans was a witch hunt and all this stuff. The bottom line is he lied about what he did. He was trying to uh, obstruct proceedings of the House of Representatives, lied about the timeline. He should have just taken it and walked away the same thing he did when he went into court and said, I pled guilty, I paid the fine, and I'm out. He handled that well from a crisis situation. He should have done it again So if you can't agree about that, I I don't know how how they're going to agree about this uh, because... (laughs) There's a pretty big foreign aid fight. Uh, a hot topic during last night's GOP debate, of course, was border security. Both sides battling it out. Uh, now, one day after Senate Republicans blocked the $100 billion, $106 billion, I believe, uh, emergency spending bill to fund the wars in Ukraine and Israel. Negotiations need to change. The president of the United States should be involved. He is responsible for this situation. Well, it was in our national security urgent request, $6 billion for the border. We share a sense of urgency, so act on that. Mick, um, Republicans are saying this is the moment. If we are going to do something on the border, it has to be now, and that is why it is being tied to Ukraine aid. Um, is this really the moment for Republicans on the border? And is this the fight that they should be taking up? I think so. And I think it's a good opportunity to teach folks back home how how legislating is supposed to work. One of the things that upsets Republicans on the Hill is that things that they like are typically married to things they don't like. They want to vote on Israel as a standalone bill, okay? But the Senate wants to put it together. The House wants to do uh, a bunch of different things. The Senate doesn't. What's supposed to happen is the Republicans are supposed to do their thing, Democrats are supposed to do their thing, the House passes a bill, the Senate passes a different bill, and then you negotiate out the terms. That's not happening. So what you're seeing is they're doing it to each other. What they should do is come together and say, look, here's a standalone bill on Israel. Let's vote on it. Here's a standalone bill on Ukraine. Let's vote on it. Here's a standalone bill on the border. Let's vote about it. And then let's talk about how to get stuff done. Because once you open up immigration reform, Mick, and this is what we saw even with DeSantis talking about remittances, you actually would have to bring people out of the shadows to tax remittances back to home countries. And so once you start going there on border security and we need to go there, you're going to have to have a package where people actually see some reform that's going to help the problem overall. There is a uh, Republicans, Sean, are saying President Biden. No, go on, finish your thought, Mick. 
I say there's a photo today of the NDA, the National Defense Authorization Act. It's 3,000 pages long and came in on a, on, a, on a gurney. That's the stuff that people really <laughs> don't like back home, okay? Let's get back to basics. I think it's a chance to have that conversation. I think the Republicans have got a chance here to drive that debate. I'm not sure they're winning it, but they've got a chance. And Republicans are saying, Mr. President, President Biden, wake up here. Is yeah, it smart is for a, Republicans to bring the this president This is a in? massive winning issue. Republicans should double down. Right. The idea that we're even having to negotiate on our national security when we have statistic after statistic about terrorists coming in through our southern border, Chinese military you know, men, age of men, are coming in through our southern yeah. border, fentanyl flowing in. This is a double down, triple down argument for Republicans. They should be there 24-7 fighting for it. And the idea that the White House... Is, is missing this moment. Right. We should, the idea that we're tying our national security, first and foremost, to having to secure another country's national security is pathetic. But, like, you know, like Mick said, in, in another time, this would have been the perfect example of a compromise bill. And really, the, the, as Mick also pointed out, they're leaving after next week. They're not coming back until next year, an election year. The caucus and primary season starts. It might be a bridge too far, but this is maybe the closest they will have gotten in decades. By the way, cons- immigration. consider this. GOP voters, uh, according to our Decision Desk HQ polling, 52% of Republicans say border safety is a top priority, to Sean's right. point. All right. Did you see this, by the way? Republican members of Congress are... Taking the Capitol Hill decorating contest to a whole nother level. Here's the Congressman Eli Crane joining in with signs uh, on his office door that say, have documents ready and Border Patrol elves only. Meanwhile, Congressman Mike Collins made a bold statement with his office decorations showcasing a cutout of Hunter Biden with the caption saying, let it snow. And a naughty list featuring the college football playoff committee. Mulvaney, you ever do this in the halls of Congress? No. <laughs> Look, again, we've talked about this how many times, Blake? I want less politics in my sports. I want less politics in my humor. I want less politics in my politics. I do not want more politics in my Christmas, for goodness sake. So, listen, it, it, I know it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, no, I don't care for it. We wouldn't do it in my office. I don't fault them for doing it. I have no idea what party those folks are in. I can guess about the person who's got the Hunter Biden let it snow thing out there, but... Who you, is it really the season? I mean, it really, if you, go ask a good Republican. I, I, is this about Christ's birth or is this about Hunter Biden? I, I, yeah, that's, that's a really true. good question. But he did also <laughs> poke the Republicans. You know, Blake, when I was looking at it, he was making fun of them for throwing out the speaker. He was also, you know, making fun of uh, some of the various, you know, that he said, all I want for Christmas is 12 appropriation bills. So, like, I do think <laughs> yeah. that there was a little bit of, you know, right. both sides. And it's political dorks. So what do you expect? All right. Johanna Mosca, Mick Mulvaney, you were here with us yesterday. It was a late and night. Yeah. Sent Mick home. You're not getting the place back. <laughs> okay. We're not leaving. I've got your chair, Blake. This is your chair. You're not getting and you got And you got on the plane early today uh, to be with you us. Make we, the varsity team, we, Mick. You'll get the stay. on the varsity uh, team. Oh, oh, Thank you both for being here. Appreciate hear, it. We'll see you in person tomorrow. All right. Well, coming up after the break, our very own Elizabeth Vargas, of course, who moderated last night's presidential debate. She will join us here on the Hill with her biggest takeaways. I'll tell you this. I've, I've chatted with a little, uh, Elizabeth a little bit here. It's fascinating to hear her take about last night, and she will share some of it with you on the other side. News 
Nation tonight. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is taking your phone calls live on Cuomo. It's your chance to ask the independent presidential candidate why he thinks he's best for the job. Cuomo tonight, 8, 7 central, only on News Nation. All right. Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation, live once again from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Would you look at that? Woo! A gorgeous night here uh, in Alabama as we approach, uh, what is it, 5 o'clock local here? Yeah, the yeah. sun's setting. That's the quad. That's us there in the tent. A day after the News Nation GOP presidential debate, joining us now, one of last night's moderators, of course, News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas. Elizabeth. Thank you. What's up? Hello. I'm freezing. It is cold. You got the hand warmers. Beautiful, but cool. I got my hand warmers. Somebody took my hot tea away rock, from me. Rock on. Oh, that okay. was awesome last Thank night. You. Did you have fun Thank with that? You. I did. Yeah? I did. I had a lot of fun. What'd actually. you make of it? What was it like being in the, in the captain's chair there? You know, um, we really, as we planned our questions, really wanted these candidates to debate each other. The first three debates, there wasn't a lot of debating each other. There was in one in debate two, there was a lot of shouting over each other where you couldn't hear what anybody was saying. But, you know, that's what a debate is for. Right. Um, we, for candidates to really talk about the differences in their own policies. So we, and we also worked very hard to ask very specific questions. You not did. Not open-ended questions. Yeah. So that we could pin them down because I've got, I had a whole series of questions on the southern border and the crisis on the border because they've all talked super tough on this mm-hmm. issue. It's not clear how realistic a lot of what they're proposing yep. actually is. I mean, it's great to say I'm going to seal the border on day one and I'm going to attack the, the Mexican drug cartels in Mexico. Right. Until you get into the details. Right, he's, Ron DeSantis sort of walked some of that back uh, last night, which I found to be interesting. Uh, speaking of DeSantis, you asked a pretty pointed question. Yes. Is, is Donald Trump mentally fit? And I thought, we talked about, about this at the top of the show, it was one of the key moments of the debate. Here it was, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the other side. Why is, didn't he just answer the question? The question was very direct. Is he fit to be president or isn't he? Father time is undefeated. I don't know how he would score on a, on a test, but I know this. We have an opportunity to nominate someone and elect someone for two terms who's going to be spinning nails on day one and for eight years so deliver you, you big results. We should think. not nominate somebody he won't who's, answer. Who's, who's almost 80 years old. Okay. He's afraid to answer. No, I'm not. He has said that Joe Biden is experiencing cognitive decline. He wouldn't describe Donald Trump, though, wouldn't answer mm. about Donald Trump. You know, no, he wouldn't. And this is at a time when his campaign is running an ad, running right. an ad, clearly saying he's not mentally fit. It's an ad edited together, a compilation of videos of Donald Trump sounding confused and, and disjointed um, as he speaks. So if you're going to put the ad out there, stand behind it. Yeah. And my gosh, we are, what, you know, six weeks away from the Iowa caucuses? Yeah. Um, this is the time. If you're going to make your case that he's not mentally fit to be, he, he tried to have a little bit of both ways. He said repeatedly, he's 80, he's too old. It's too old. This is not a job for an 80-year-old. Um, but he didn't come right out and say right. what I, you know, a lot of people have been saying, actually, right. um, and what certainly Chris Christie is saying, which is that he is not mentally fit. You're the messaging pro. You, you think he, he didn't really stick the landing there. I, I think the point, and I said it earlier, that, and Elizabeth hit the nail on the head here, if you're going to put the ad up to make the accusation, then you either have to stand by it or right. walk it back, but you can't equivocate. I think he could have handled it better by saying something to the effect of, hey, look, we all get we all lose something as we get older. I was making that point in the ad, but he didn't want to go anywhere near it. And it's like, you put the ad out, 
at least explain the ad then. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, it's about every time this night, Elizabeth, when we hand it over to you, and I'm like, I can't be late to Elizabeth's show because it's Elizabeth Vargas. <laughs> Don't, Don't go over. We're about to go over. <laughs> Elizabeth coming up on the other side. See ya. <laughs> 